the last several weeks, if not months, I've been going back to the Orthodox Catechism and um, expounding, explaining some of the questions and answers there. Question 42 is an interesting question and a wonderful answer. What, what does the resurrection of Christ profit us? What does the resurrection of Christ profit us? If you remember the catechism, or any good catechism, goes through uh, Christ's humiliation, his life, sufferings, death, burial, resurrection, and then ascension. What does the resurrection of Christ profit us? Here's the answer. First, by his resurrection, he vanquished death. Death died. That he might make us partakers of that righteousness which he had gotten us by his death. Second, we are now also stirred up by his power to a new life. Lastly, the resurrection of our head, Christ, is a pledge to us of our glorious of our glorious resurrection each one of those points has several verses connected to it so here we have uh, three benefits um, of our lord's resurrection for believers but before we look at these three benefits remember the states of christ as the theologians put it his humiliation his exaltation are comprised of acts of the Redeemer for the benefit of those he represented. Okay, During his state of humiliation and during his state of exaltation, which probably started out as, as his resurrection, various acts are conducted, things are done by the mediator for the benefit of those he represents. And so this technical word, state, is meant a period of time in which the Redeemer existed in a a given condition, state of humiliation, state of exaltation. In a state of humiliation, our Lord obeyed, our Lord suffered, our Lord died. His resurrection from the dead marks out our Lord's entrance into his state of exaltation or glory, sufferings and glory, sufferings and being raised from the dead on the third day. All of this he did as a public person. Uh, That's another technical word, public person, technical phrase, meaning somebody who represents another, you know, somebody holds a public office. That means they're a representative of the public. Well, he represented his own people, What he endured and what he experienced, all of that benefits those he represented. But the same goes for the resurrection. How does Christ's resurrection then profit believers? First, his resurrection assures us that death is dead as a a ruling force over believers and righteousness, having been obtained by Christ, is now given to us. The resurrection is kind of like a divine uh, signal to us that death no longer has that sting of condemnation for God's people, number one. And number two, 
Somehow, well, the resurrection is the divine confirmation of a procured righteousness, a finished or a completed righteousness by the Savior during his state of humiliation. The Bible connects the conferring of righteousness by Christ to believers with his resurrection. Romans 4.25, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Because of our justification can be understood as an account of or with a view toward our justification. Here, his death is with a view toward our transgressions and his resurrection is with a view toward our justification. The Bible also connects our regeneration and our inheritance with Christ's resurrection. Here's 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, Peter uses that, has caused us to be born again to a living hope, now watch this, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So here, Peter connects being born again and obtaining an imperishable and undefiled inheritance reserved in heaven. He connects all those with the resurrection of Christ. You can see that the resurrection of Christ uh, brought with it certain benefits or rewards to Christ to give to us. We call those benefits. Here we have being born again, uh, an inheritance uh, which is reserved for us in heaven. The last Adam becomes a life-giving spirit, 1 Corinthians 15. He has the power to confer new regenerative life upon dead sinners like us, all connected to his resurrection. In Romans 1 through 5, uh, might help us as well. See, Paul says, I've been set apart for the gospel of God, which gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, the state of humiliation, who is declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, the state of exaltation, according to the spirit of holiness Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Notice here Christ's two states, humiliation and exaltation, born of a descendant according to the flesh, declared a descendant of David, excuse me, according to the flesh, declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection is a divine declaration of something good about the life and death of Christ. Then Paul says that it was through the resurrected Christ that grace and apostleship was received. This means that the resurrection of our Lord involved an endowment of power to be executed toward and for the benefit of others. Christ not only earns life for us, he also confers new life upon and within us. That which he did for us, he gives to us. A second benefit of the resurrection for believers 
is that power is communicated to us that makes us walk in newness of life. This is Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Though this newness of life awaits the future for its fullest expression, believers in this life receive power now to walk in this newness of life by virtue of Christ's resurrection. It's due to the resurrection of Christ that this power comes to us. He was endowed, he was given that gift of life-giving power uh, through his obedience. Though this newness of life awaits us, we do get power now. And this is what Paul's talking about in Philippians 3.10. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That should be our prayer as well. I want to know him. I want to know Christ. I want to know this power that comes by virtue of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his death. I want to die that I might live. And finally, a third benefit of the resurrection is a pledge to us of our glorious resurrection. Romans 8:11 says, "But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you." So if you are a believer, you can you can rest assured what happened to Christ is going to happen to you. He was raised, you're going to be raised. As the Spirit of God executed effective power in the resurrection of our Lord, so he will do in the resurrection of all those who belong to our Lord. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. So this little phrase, first fruits, the words first fruits liken the resurrection to a single harvest. Christ's resurrection was the first fruits of a great harvest to be completed when he comes again. Uh, there's a hymn actually talks about that, right? About things coming out, about plants coming out of the ground on the resurrection day, like the believers coming, being raised from the dead on the, on, the, on the resurrection day like plants coming out of the ground. I forgot the name of that hymn. I think we've sung it before. What happened to our Lord will happen to all who are our Lord's. His resurrection is God's pledge that our glorious resurrection will surely come. Was the Son of God raised from the dead in power? Yes. Will the Son of God raise all who are his in power one day? Yes, on the same day. When? When he comes again in glory. So we are assured of resurrection by virtue of his resurrection. Here's a hymn. This is hymn 199. I don't know if this might be the hymn I was thinking of. I don't think so. But Welcome happy morning, resurrection morning. Age to age shall say, hell today is vanquished. 
Heaven is one today. Lo, the dead is living, God forevermore. Him, their true creator, all his works adore, maker and redeemer, life and health of all. Thou from heaven beholding human nature's fall of the Father's Godhead, true and only Son, manhood to deliver, manhood didst put on. Thou of life the author, death didst undergo, tread the path of darkness, saving strength to show. Come then, true and faithful, now fulfill thy word, tis thine own third morning, rise, O buried Lord. Loose the souls long prisoned, bound with Satan's chain, thine that now are fallen, raised to life again. Show thy face in brightness, bid the nations see, bring again our daylight, day returns with thee. Here's the refrain for that hymn. Welcome, happy morning, age to age shall say, hell today is vanished, heaven is one today. Because of the resurrection of Christ, uh, these things are true, not only of him, but all of us who believe upon him, much more reason for us than to be grateful and thankful and show our gratefulness and thankfulness um, every day of the week, not just on the Lord's Day. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word and this consideration of the benefits of the resurrection of Christ for us. There is this relationship between his resurrection and our justification. There's a connection between his resurrection and our sanctification. There's a connection between his resurrection and our glorification. It's all because of him, not because of us. We're justified. We're being sanctified. We're going to be glorified one day. It's just as sure as the fact that he was raised on the third day. So make our hearts glad. Help us to sing, to take the supper soberly but gratefully. Bless it now we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.